Good evening, friends, and welcome back to Catechesis, a teaching series of Emmaus Reformed Baptist Church aimed to instruct in foundational Christian doctrine and to encourage piety amongst the people of God. Uh, This is lesson number 25, and we will be considering Baptist Catechism question 29 today. Question 29 asks, how does Christ execute the office of a king? And the answer is that Christ executes the office of a king in subduing us to himself, in ruling and defending us, and in restraining and conquering all his and our enemies. This is the last question in this series of questions dealing with the threefold offices of Christ. Uh, This section began in question 26. Uh, Question 27 dealt with Christ as prophet, 28 as priest, 29 here. uh, We're dealing with his office as king. Uh, Very wonderful section, I think. Uh, It helps us to consider what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. It helps us to consider his his work, uh, what it is that he has done for us. And I have said this before, but I'd like to say it again before moving on from this section. Um, This section in the Catechism corresponds to our confession in chapter 8, particularly paragraphs 9 and 10. And I wanted to read that section to you one last time uh, to remind you of it, and I especially appreciate uh, what is said here in paragraph 10 in regard to Christ as King, which is uh, the subject that we are considering today. So Second London Confession, paragraph 9 of chapter 8 says, The office of mediator between God and man is proper only to Christ, who is the prophet, priest, and king of the church of God, and may not be either in whole or in any part thereof transferred from him to any other. Uh, There, the threefold office of Christ is introduced to us in the context of Christ as mediator. Uh, But in paragraph 10, we read that this number and order of offices is necessary, for in respect of our ignorance, we stand in need of his prophetical office, and in respect of our alienation from God, and in perfection of the best of our services, we need his priestly office to reconcile us and present us acceptable unto God, and in respect to our averseness and utter inability to return to God, and for our rescue and security from our spiritual adversaries, we need his kingly office to convince, subdue, draw, uphold, deliver, and preserve us to his heavenly kingdom. I do appreciate what our confession has to say here. I think this is a beautiful statement concerning the threefold offices of Christ, but in particular, I love what our confession says about his his kingly office. Our catechism is a summary of this. Again, Christ executes the office of a king in subduing us to himself, in ruling and defending us, and in restraining and conquering all his and our enemies. So let us now take this answer piece by piece. First of all, we see that Christ functions as our king in that he has subdued us to himself. Um, we might ask, well, what, what, is, what has Christ conquered? What enemies has he conquered? And the first answer is that he has conquered us. Uh, we were by nature children of wrath. We were at enmity with God the Father. And Christ mercifully has uh, conquered us. He has subdued us. He has brought us into submission to himself and to God and to the things of God. Um, We're probably not accustomed to thinking of Christ in this way, 
but I think it is a very important observation. If anyone has bowed the knee to Christ and has uttered the words, Jesus is Lord, it is only because he has subdued us. He has rescued us. Um, He has convinced us. He has drawn us, and he will continue to uphold, deliver, and preserve us to his, his heavenly kingdom, as our confession says. But, but he has conquered us first. Psalm 110, verse 3, uh, is listed as a proof text in the uh, Catechism, and I believe also in the Confession. Uh, and it says, Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power in holy garments from the womb of the morning. The dew of your youth will be yours. Um, in the day of your power, I, I think this is a reference to the power of Christ, his victory, his ascension. And he draws people to himself. They offer him themselves freely on the day of his power. I think that is the truth that is being brought across here. Psalm 110 is a very important psalm. It would be good to read it in its entirety here. Um, but we need to understand that first, Christ has conquered us. He has, he has subdued us. In Romans 10.9, we read, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So this is... This is what happens at the beginning of the Christian life. Um, Because the Holy Spirit has regenerated us, we do confess with the mouth this, Jesus is Lord. We call him king. We bow the knee before him, and we believe in the heart that God God raised him from the dead, and by this we we are saved. And so what a crucial thing it is for us to understand that, uh, first of all, we are conquered by Christ. He subdues us. He draws us to himself. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says, Therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. I think the Apostle Paul here is drawing our attention to this reality that people only say Jesus is Lord and mean it if the Holy Spirit has worked upon them, if uh, the Holy Spirit has regenerated their hearts, if the Holy Spirit has conquered them and subdued them. Um, That is what our catechism is attempting to teach here in summary form. Secondly, we read that Christ executes the office of a king in ruling and defending us. Um, So once we confess that Jesus is Lord, um, Christ does go on to rule us continually and progressively and to defend us from all of our and his enemies. Matthew 2.6 says, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Uh, So Christ is the focus of this passage here. He is that ruler uh, who has emerged from Judah, from from Israel. He is that ruler, but notice that the Christ is described here as a shepherd. Uh, So he is a shepherd king. He is a king who cares for his people, who who rules them continuously and also defends them. He protects and preserves them. This should be a great comfort to the people of God to look to Christ as our great king, who is also our great shepherd. And, of course, uh, Christ spoke of himself in these terms. In John 10, uh, we read in verse 11 through 15, for example, the words of Christ, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
And he was a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But then Christ says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. Of course, he is here speaking of uh, the crucifixion. He will lay his life down for the sheep uh, on the cross but he is the good shepherd who is faithful to, to preserve his sheep continuously. Uh, he does not leave us vulnerable, but rather preserves us uh, continuously. And I think here of the Great Commission also, um, where Christ begins by saying, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, and then he gives the the Great Commission, as we call it, to his disciples. And then at the end of it, he also says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So both at the beginning and the end, we are comforted by the authority that Christ has. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to him. He commissions us to do our work, but then he, at the end, also comforts us with this reality that he will be with us always. He will go with us to, to preserve us, to guide and direct us, to defend us until the end of the age. Thirdly, in this catechism, we see that Christ as king restrains and conquers all his and our enemies. Um, so here we are to think of the enemies of Christ. He both restrains them and he will conquer them at the end of time. 1 Corinthians 15.25 is put forth as a proof text for this um, concept here. Uh, it says it in a very brief way, For he, Christ, must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Um, there is a lot communicated in that one sentence. Uh, Christ is reigning now. Uh, this means that he is currently on the throne he has all authority and even now he is restraining evil in the world he is restraining his enemies and ours and this he will do until he has put all enemies under his feet uh, this points forward to that time when all things will become the kingdom of christ uh, where uh, there will be no more evil in the in the world. Heaven and earth will become one in the new creation. And so, where is Christ now? He is seated on the throne. He is sovereign over all things. He is restraining evil. And this he will do until he does fully and finally conquer all of his and our enemies, as our catechism says. First uh, Corinthians uh, 15 goes on uh, to say that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet, Christ's feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. And the text goes on from there uh, to describe how at the end of time, Christ will deliver the kingdom to the Father. Uh, so God the Father is not in subjection to Christ, but all things besides God the Father. This should bring great comfort to us as well that Christ uh, is restraining and conquering all his and our enemies, and this he is doing even now. Uh, the world uh, can seem so out of control and crazy, but we must remember that our Lord is sovereign.
So by way of conclusion, I might ask you this. Is Christ your king? Is he your king? Have you made him Lord? Have you declared him to be Lord? Has he conquered you, moving you to bow the knee and say, Jesus is Lord? And then I might ask, is he truly Lord? We are to remember the words of Christ in Matthew 7, 21 and following. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In other words, there are some who give lip service to the Lordship of Christ. Uh, They call Christ Lord, but they do not mean it. Uh, They go on to live lawless lives, lives of disobedience. But here Christ is urging his disciples to call him Lord and to mean it truly and to, in fact, do the will of the Father who is in heaven. And so, is he Lord and is he truly Lord? And then I wonder, do you take comfort in Christ the King? I hope that you do. I hope that you are comforted by the fact that Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords, that he has all authority in heaven on earth given to him, uh, that he is restraining evil. Even now he will bring things all to their conclusion according to the plan of God. And I will read Matthew 28, 18 through 20 um, here very quickly uh, to remind you of the Great Commission. We are to be about this work, and yet notice the beginning and the end of it and the comfort that it should bring to us. And Jesus came and said to them, to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This by virtue of his finished work. Then he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This is our work. And sometimes it is dangerous work. Sometimes it is difficult work. Oftentimes it is. Because the world hates Christ. The world hates his kingdom. The world resists this this mission of ours. Uh, But yet we are comforted again at the end, where Christ says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we must learn to look to Christ as our great King, to call Him Lord, to trust in Him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and to take comfort in the fact that He reigns supreme. And so that brings to a conclusion this section regarding the threefold offices of Christ. Christ is the only mediator between God and man. And as our mediator, he functions, he fulfills the responsibilities of the prophet, priest, and king. And we need him in all three of these ways. We we need him as our prophet because of our ignorance. We need him as our priest because of our alienation from God. We need him as our great king because of our rebelliousness by nature and our vulnerability as well. We need him in every capacity. And so let us learn to think carefully concerning the person of Christ, who he was and is, and what it is that he has accomplished for us in his finished work. Brothers and sisters, until next time, abide in Christ.